Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Um, Father, it's rainy. Uh, it's not just it's very inconvenient, but it brings life to the earth. So we thank you. Um, and Lord, we just want to lift up this morning to you um, for this devotional time, prayer time, and just to be with you. Open our hearts that we can reflect. And Holy Spirit, just invite you to come and just move um, in us. Help us to reflect and help us to discern your will. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so lately, you guys know that I have a series with the youth on identity. And again and again, it's like the scriptures that pops out, a lot of it is about King David. So I um, also decided to study about his life uh, and it has been really inspiring. So the passage that we are reading today is from 2 Samuel 15. Um, from verse 13 but before I read this um, I want to just set the stage of what had happened until this point so um, at 2nd Samuel 15 we have actually come to a point where David is 61 years old right now um, so all the way back to when he was at the age of 15 he was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king in Israel he killed Goliath at 19 years old, and at that time he's like completely rely on God, right? Remember what he said at that time? He said, I came in the name of the Lord of hosts, so God is going to deliver you into my hand today, right? And then that's how he just killed Goliath um, when no one can see the circumstances he could see. Um, and at 30 years old, he became the king of Israel. So about 22 years after he became the king of Israel, he is now in his 50s. He's possibly not the dashing, handsome guy anymore. Um, and then the Bible said at this point, his troop went down for a battle. And we don't know why he didn't go. But he saw a beautiful woman who was bathing, right? So he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then she got pregnant. So we know at this point, her husband, Uriah, is actually a really righteous man. And then he's in the battlefield fighting um, in the name of King David. Um, then King David framed Uriah and trying to like get him back so that, you know, it would seem like um, the wife is actually impregnated by him, like all these things. And then at the end, um, Uriah actually died in a battle because of... King David's scheme and then David took Bathsheba in so on the surface everything seems to be taken care of like his scene has been covered um, everything is done well but every scene comes prepackaged with a consequence everything that had been done in the secret the Lord knew so the Lord actually sent a prophet Nathan to confront David so in 2nd Samuel 12 um, verse 11, the Lord said to David, out of your household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. And David started to mourn his sin. 
And at this point, he said to the prophet Nathan, "I have sinned against the Lord." So anything that I know about King David, it's that he's very quick to repent. He knows who God is, even when he's established as the king of Israel, he has never lost sight of who God is. He always know that there's a higher king, you know, than him. So.、Um, After this, of course, the first consequence of the sin was that the baby, which、um, Bathsheba was carrying,、um, actually died, and then、um, David mourned for that. And then after that,、um, one year passed, two years passed, nothing happened. Ten years passed, and then things started to roll out, like all these consequences started to come. And these are the things that happened that actually turned David's world upside down. David has an eldest son called Amnon, and then Amnon at this time really lusting、um, over his half sister called Tamar. And Tamar has a brother have the same sets of parents, Absalom, which is the second son of David, also the favorite son of David. Is he here? How are you? I'll sit in front just because. Thank you. <laughs> so Absalom decided to take Tamar in. Now Tamar has been raped by Amnon, and then she's like a desolate woman at this point, right? So Absalom took her in. So when King David heard about all of this, he was furious, but he didn't do anything. Absalom. Also, didn't say anything to Amnon, and for two years, things was just like okay on the surface. And after two years, Absalom organized a party, invited everyone, and when Amnon was drunk, Absalom sent in his men and slaughtered his elder brother Amnon. And after that, Absalom fled from everything, and he stayed away for three years. King David mourned for his eldest son Amnon. He longed to see Absalom, but he's too grieved to actually see him. So even after Absalom returned to Jerusalem, King David refused to see him. And finally, through David's general, one of the general Joab, Absalom got to see King David, but he's already hurt. Absalom was so hurt that he started to conspire to take down his own father. And he is so smart. He did it very slowly by slowly winning over the hearts of people. Now, this is the stage that we're setting for Second、um, Samuel fifteen.、Um, this is actually sixteen years after David committed the sin with Bathsheba. David is now sixty-one years old, and Absalom is coming to overtake the city. And he had to face his son. He had to fight his son, and but he chose not to. He is fleeing from his own son, from his own city. He's leaving Jerusalem behind. So, this is where we start to read verse thirteen. Yes, a messenger came and told David, "The hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom." Then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, "Come, we must flee, or none of us will escape from Absalom. 
We must leave immediately or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin on us and put a city to the sword. The king's officials answered him, Your servants are ready to do whatever our lord the king chooses. The king set out with his entire household following him, but he then left um, ten concubines to take care of the palace. So the king set out with all the people following him, and they halted at the edge of the city. All his men marched past him along with the Karanites and Pelotites. <laughs> and the 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath much before the king. The king said to Etai the Gittites, Why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner and exiled from your homeland. You came only yesterday and today shall I make you wander about with us when I do not know where I'm going. Go back, take your people with you. May the Lord show you kindness and faithfulness. But Itai replied to the king, As surely as the Lord lives, and all as my lord the king lives, wherever the lord the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. David said to Itai, Go ahead, march on. So Itai the Gittites marched on with all his men and all the families that were with him. The whole countryside wept aloud as all the people passed by. The king also crossed the Kidron Valley, and all the people moved towards the wilderness. Zadok was there too, and all the Levites were there with him. Who were there with him were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They set down the Ark of God and Abiathar, offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Take the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it and his dwelling place again. But if he says, I'm not pleased with you, then I am ready. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok the priest, Do you understand? Go back to the city with my blessing. Take your son Ahimaaz with you and also Abiathar's son, Jonathan. You and Abiathar return with your two sons. I will wait at the fort in the wilderness until the word comes from you to inform me. So Zadok and Abiathar took the ark of God back to Jerusalem and stayed there. So this is when King David's fleeing from the city. Um, yeah, last weekend, um, the staff, we had the opportunity and privilege to actually participate and serve in a funeral. Um, it came as a surprise, unexpected, put a lot of stress on that. <laughs> but we were there and then um, it, was, it was a lovely time to actually see like the celebration of life, like how, you know, this lady has just lived amazing life, like happening, really happening. So um, funeral always made me think about the legacy I want to leave behind. So as I was, I was leading worship, so I was sitting there and then um, Matt was preaching, talking, sharing a message. And I was, actually like there was a, there was a moment when, when Brian arrived and then I was sitting with P-Matt and myself and 
and another brother from from our church. Um, I w- we were talking, and then there was like the cascade was there, and then I was like, oh my goodness, there was actually another person here, <laughs> but but that person is like forever sleeping, right? So it's it's like it's that kind of like. Oh, this person might be here yesterday, but not here anymore. You know, and we will we will all face that day. You know, I was thinking like, oh, it will be my turn. I don't know when, but then it will be my turn, right? And then I would, I I used to be thinking about you know, oh, before I die, I have this bucket list. You know, I want to go here, here, here. I want to experience this, 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 and all that. Um, I want to be remembered in a certain way. I always tell like uh, my friends that I want to be um, a sweet old lady. <laughs> I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be those like grumpy, you know, um, grandma. I want to be fun. Um, I want to love life, you know. I want to be remembered in that way. Um, and I don't want to have any regrets when I pass on, right? I want to lead a good life, and I want to tell the people I love that I love them before um, I pass. But um, during the funeral, I was like, "Oh, I might actually not be able to do all that, right?" Because actually, the lady was suffering from um, dementia, so she was like, so over a span of ten years, she was like slowly losing herself, her personality. You know who she is. That everything just like kind of dementia is like kind of a disease that you just don't recognize yourself. People don't recognize you, right? So I might not be able to do that, right? I might not remember even what my bucket list is. I might not be able to take all that. Um, and I realize, oh, there's no such thing as no regrets before I pass, because I already have regrets in my life. Now that I live like thirty something years on this earth, I already have regrets in my life. You know, I read a book um, by Lisa Turkis. Um, it's called "It's Not Supposed to Be This Way." Um, she was talking about how um, the husband that she's married to for thirty years suddenly she found that he's been cheating on her with a younger girl, and then she was rushed into emergency room because of a colon. Emergency, like her colon almost burst inside of her, um, and then after she recovered from that, she found out that she has breast cancer. So it was like one thing after another, and then she wrote this book called "It's Not Supposed to Be This Way." And to be honest, and as I reflect on my life, a lot of the things, you know, when I was young, my my grandma used to tell me that I'm going to be a lawyer when I'm when I'm when I'm old older. When I go um, go up, um, or she, or my grandpa told me that, oh, you're gonna be a doctor. Um, I didn't fulfill any of that, you know. Like my life seems to be also having a lot of broken dreams, a lot of regrets. Um, my body is not supposed to be in this way, you know. I was not supposed to be injured. My auntie was not supposed to die so early. Um, the truth is. There's already regrets in our life, you know. There are broken dreams. There are things that we thought would happen、um, that has not gone our ways. And sometimes it's because of our own decisions, and sometimes because of others 
decisions. And how many of us can relate to lost dreams and broken dreams? There's family members that we pray for for a long time, never got saved, right? There's a child that you pour out your love onto for years, and then he or she has turned against you. There's close friends that, you know, um, you used to maybe party together or like you can talk for all night long and so then now you can't even talk to him or her because you've just parted your ways. There's this job that you long for but someone else took it, you know. Um, yeah, there are things that you want to work on but it seems that the timing has passed or like just circumstances wise you have to move or like you know there's just things happening to us that we can't control and then it's left us with that broken dreams that sense of regret so when I read this passage I was really encouraged by David you know the way that um, his life unfolds I bet you like when he was 15 when he was anointed by um, Samuel, he wouldn't think that, oh, my life will become like this, you know, my son will actually kill my other son, and then my, my daughter got raped by my son, and my favorite son actually turned against me. He wouldn't have thought that, right? He would think that, oh, 15 years old, you know, I look at Jacob or, you know, all the youth right now, I'm like, yeah, they're at that age, they're like at 15, they wouldn't think about like, oh, down the line, it would be like that. But then King David at age of 61, um, when he is fleeing from his own son, if we look at um, verse 25. Um, so we have to see like in verse 24, Zadok was there and then the Levites were the one that is carrying, like they're doing all the sacrifices and stuff. and. Um, they were carrying this Ark of Covenant, and we know that the, that actually represents the, the presence of God, right? So the presence of God is with Jerusalem. It's like the city, and then that's God's dwelling place. So, um, so David was like, oh, so the, the priest was like, oh, let's go, let's go, right? And then carrying this Ark of Covenant with David as they are leaving. But it's as if that King David is saying like, um, no, leave it back to the city. I'm not taking it with me. If you read 25, it says, take the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it and his dwelling place again. But if he says, I'm not pleased with you, then I'm ready. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. I think that, that was so powerful because he is not trying to manipulate. He's not like, okay, I'm going to take God's presence with me. Let's go. You know, he's not. He's like, leave it back there. You know, I'm in the wrong. I can see the decisions and the consequences. I know the broken dreams. It's not supposed to be this way, but leave the presence of God there. If he's pleased with me, then he will bring me back. If he's not, then I'm ready. Let him do whatever seems good to him. I thought that was so powerful because 
through all these crazy things, chaos, regrets, and all that, David never lose sight of who God is. He knows that God is the one that established me, and He's going to provide another king if it's not me. You know, he never deemed himself like higher than how God sees him. Like he is a king, but he he knows. You know, he knows who God is, and he never lost sight of that. Um, David is not perfect, but he's called a man that is after God's heart, right? Um, and I think there's a reason for that because he 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 doesn't he doesn't try to manipulate God. He doesn't try to like twist God's arm or anything, you know. In 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 the midst of all his broken dreams, he chose to give it back to God and be like, I know everything that has been done, but you are God. You are the king, and I'm leaving all this into your hands. And I choose to trust you. If it's your time to establish me back, you will do it. So it seems like um, after reading this, those who will finish well, I mean, we know that um, after this, actually King David, after nine years, he passed away, he died. Um, but he did come back to Jerusalem. He was reestablished as a king again. Um, so it seems that those who finish well is not those who have less regrets or fulfill more things in your bucket list. Um, but it's those people that who have never lost sight of God, you know, never lost sight of um, who He is, um, never lost sight of how He can redeem all things. And that those who actually choose to see God in the midst of chaos and continue to choose this way. So can I encourage you uh, this morning to, um, I think we all sort of leaving, we're leaving some kind of broken dreams because of COVID. You know, like everyone has some common, this common COVID experience that just like stir everything and just you know like everything that you plan for the past two years it's just been down the drain right they're broken dreams that you know not supposed to happen um and i think as we're moving into um the next season i really believe that we are at the verge of crossing over or should I say that we're already crossing over? And, you know, there are a lot of things in the past or in the old that needs to be teased off. And I think the broken dreams and to process that with God um, is very important as we are moving forward. And, you know, how Pisa was talking about this vision casting on that volume two, the things has passed and now we're moving on. So can I encourage you to Meditate on that, reflect on that, you know, talk to God now, spend some time, just reflect on these broken dreams, things that had been your regrets in the past two years, doesn't have to be the whole lifetime, but, you know, what had happened in the past two years, and may we be able to say, like, um, King David, you know, let him do to me whatever seems good to me. And ultimately, it's, it's really our hearts with God, right? 
do do I really believe that whatever he plans for me is good? I was reflecting on this last night. I was like, it's very it's very hard for me to say it because I'm still scared. I'm still scared that when I say this, then I'll be in more pain. You know, like injury will come back. What if he wants me to go through more pain? But then, do I really believe that he's good? What he plans for me is good. So let's spend some time just reflecting.